What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? My back is feeling better a little bit, so that's good. Uh, still, still, still a little agitated, especially when I sit down for a long time, like, you know, at work and all that stuff, but it is doing better. So I'm not as injured as I was the last two weeks. That's that's good news. I, I can't say the same thing for 90% of the NBA, but at least at least I'm I'm getting off the the injured list. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. I mean, Chris, this was the year that the the league was supposed to you know adjust the schedule so that less players got hurt over an 82 game season. And I feel like more players have, have, have gone down and more, more star players have gone down this year, uh, than the, the past few seasons that come to mind. Oh, it's been a bloodbath, man. I, I, and I honestly, when we were talking off mic, I, I had scratched the surface with some of them, but you had reminded me of a bunch of stars that have been just dropping like flies over the course of the year. It, it's been crazy. Um, and I don't think any team has really, been immune to it some have been hit more than others but it seems like everyone's dealing with just some crazy injuries yeah definitely and while uh the Cavs certainly have dealt with uh, a slew of injuries uh this season they have finally just about gotten all their guys back and healthy uh starting with that Phoenix game on Friday I think that was the first game back for Hood uh Thompson and Larry Nance Jr. Uh, Kevin Love returned a few games prior, and uh, Chris, I'd say it's no coincidence that the, the Cavs have now won five games in a row, not that they have four of their top eight players back. Uh, Shetty Osman is still out, and I think Kyle Korver is down with the injury, but uh, they got their reinforcements back. The same cannot be said, though, uh, for a couple notable uh, point guards uh, in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference. Uh, news coming out that Steph Curry is going to be out at least three weeks, and I think Steve Kerr said today definitely he will be out for the first round of the playoffs due to a strained left MCL. Uh, he's going to be re-evaluated in three weeks, so we don't know the full extent of that injury and when he'll come back. So he's down. The Warriors are actually out. Uh, Curry, Thompson, Durant, and Green, though Thompson and Green are set to come back this week, and Durant uh, is set to come back before the postseason begins. And then going out east, Chris, uh, Kyrie Irving is getting surgery on that same knee that he hurt in the 2015 NBA Finals, an exploratory surgery to relieve some soreness, but he will be out at least three weeks, possibly up to six weeks. So Chris, uh, two of the Cavs' biggest rivals are down their most pivotal player. Uh, Does this give you hope? that the Cavs uh, have a shot at the title. Well, I always had hope that they had a shot at the title. I think now they have a significantly better shot at the title. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, I, all year long, as worried as I've been about this team, nobody in the East scares me. And now that the Cavs are healthy, that Toronto game, to me, said, okay, the switch is starting to come on, the health is getting back. So, Getting to the finals, all you got to do is win one series. I know it would probably be against a full-strength Golden State, maybe Houston, not easy, but but they always had a good chance. I think now they have an even better chance, and and you don't want to 
gain an advantage this way. But after 2015, when the Cavs lost everyone during the playoffs, honestly, I have no sympathy. Injuries happen. I don't cheer for them. But they happen, and teams benefit from them. And let's just start with Kyrie Irving. Same knee as 2015. The guy, prior to LeBron coming back, has had a lot of injury problems. One of the things I was worried about, about him going to Boston and being, quote-unquote, the man, even though his minutes and scoring is down compared to last year. Didn't he want more shots? That's why he went to Boston. He's actually taking less shots. I thought that was interesting. That was one of the first things I looked at when he got hurt. I'm like, oh, he's probably playing too many minutes, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think he's he's down about two and a half minutes over last year. So so he's playing less minutes, and he still tweaked up that knee. The point point is, um, that's one thing I was worried about when he went to Boston to be, quote-unquote, the man. And, um, you know, unfortunately, his injury flared up. I, I, like I said, I don't cheer for injuries. Um, but for Boston to lose their big additions, uh, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, after they gutted so much of their Eastern Conference Finals team, I think now if Kyrie Irving doesn't come back in time and the Celtics draw the wrong team like, I don't know, Milwaukee or Philadelphia, they could be one and done. I mean, they, they easily could be one and done if they are down Kyrie Irving for the playoffs, which makes them obviously not much of a threat um, Golden State's a different animal because I don't think those other three guys, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant, I think all of them will be back for the playoffs. Clay Thompson's the one I'd be the most worried about because he's dealing with a broken thumb. And last I checked, the thumb's pretty important when you're a shooter, and he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. So we'll see if there if he's the same player dealing with that injury. Uh, that that will certainly be interesting. But his defense certainly will travel. One of their best defenders obviously can help in other ways beyond just shooting. But if Steph Curry doesn't play, then that puts more of an onus on Klay Thompson. And if Klay Thompson's thumb isn't 100% and his shot isn't 100%, that's going to be a big problem for the Warriors. Because with all due respect to Kevin Durant, Steph Curry is the heart and soul of the Golden State Warriors. If he does not play, they are not going to win the championship. I don't care if they have three other great superstars. I don't think they can win a championship without Steph Curry. I, and, and you know what? Kevin Durant's good enough to prove me wrong. That's a bold statement, I know. But Steph Curry can do things that nobody else in this league can. He makes shots that cannot be defended. It puts so much pressure on opposing defenses in ways that even Kevin Durant cannot do. He is a transcendent player. I know people don't like him around here. But he is that good. And if he is out, the Warriors' chances took a huge hit. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about 2015 NBA Finals, but 2016 NBA Finals is a, is a perfect example of of uh, what the Warriors might be facing. Um, a lot of forces combined for the Cavs to overcome that deficit. Uh, one of them notably was that Steph Curry was not 100% healthy and was bothered by a knee injury. So even if uh, he does come back at some point in the postseason, um, is he going to be 100%? Is he going to have that jump shot th- uh, that makes him one of the most difficult players to defend, if not the most difficult player to defend? So de- definitely uh, they could be in trouble if he is not um, this, the MVP, two-time MVP that that uh, we are accustomed to seeing Um, but the Warriors to me are you know they they still have a chance to win the title even without Steph Curry they they're just so dang talented and you know 
they have they're probably the only team in the league that has two transcendent players in Durant and Curry. Now we haven't seen Durant take a team on his back and lead the team to the finals, but you know, this may be his opportunity and he has enough firepower around him and the coaching to do it. Um, they look mortal though without Curry, uh, with all four of those guys healthy, despite the, the fantastic season that the Rockets have had. Um, I would still put my money on the Warriors getting out of the Western Conference just because uh, that, you know, that's the four players that they have and then add in some of the role players that they have in, in Iguodala and Livingston. Um, it's it's the best team in the league. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, uh, yeah, the, the Curry injury is, is certainly a concern. Uh, out East, yeah, uh, without Kyrie Irving, you know, where are they going to get their offense uh, generated from? You know, Jalen Brown uh, is has been out since that scary slam dunk landing on his head. Uh, he's going to return. Marcus Smart is supposed to return at some point. He, he's out. Uh, obviously, they, they've weathered the Gordon Hayward injury, but they're able to uh, figure out their identity for 82 games without him. I mean, he, he got hurt in the opener against Cleveland. So, Without Kyrie, uh, they don't have anyone that can just generate their their own offense. They're gonna have to rely on a twenty year old in Brown, who's who's probably their next best player. Uh, well, Al Horford, I guess, would be their next best player. But you know, Brown and Tatum would have to shoulder a huge load. And Tatum is a nineteen year old rookie. Uh, I would be definitely concerned. And I agree with you. You know, somebody in the top four in the East is gonna draw the Milwaukee Bucks, and I am so sorry for the team that does. Uh, that that's going to be a really tough battle, and if the Celtics draw a, a healthy Milwaukee Bucks team, I, I would definitely be genuinely concerned for them getting out of that first round. Um, you know, injuries are are, are interesting. You know, the, the Cavs uh, have certainly dealt with a, a huge amount, probably just in terms of sheer volume, more so than any other playoff bound team. Uh, but fortunately for them, at least uh, with ten games left in the season, you know, they got hurt at the right time and have brought the bulk of their team back with 10 d- games to go and, and get ready for the postseason. Uh, the Rockets, you know, were without Chris Paul for the first quarter of the season. They got hurt at the right time. Uh, so you know, everybody gets hurt. Uh, I don't think it's, you, you can't make an excuse for your injuries, but you know, timing is, is a huge part of it. And unfortunately for Boston and Golden State, uh, they probably are dealing with injuries at the very worst time. Yeah, and, and, and to piggyback on the Steph Curry injury, he was just coming back from an ankle injury as well. And and that's one of the reasons Steph Curry was on such a great contract prior to this season was because he dealt with ankle injuries early in his career. So, so these are injuries that have occurred to Steph Curry before, which is a little more alarming uh, than not. And again, you know, Bob and I, we're not sitting here cheering for these guys to get hurt, but it's happened. And at the end of the day, you got to deal with it. You know, the 2015 championship will always be, you know, I don't believe in putting asterisks for injuries against anything because then every champion will have an asterisk next to it. Um, The Cavs, unfortunately, that year got hurt at the wrong time and still had a 2-1 lead over a fully healthy Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, or or at least significantly more healthy Golden State Warriors. They probably had a minor injury or two somewhere. But, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. But, but Bob, I, I certainly agree with you when it comes to Golden State. 
they are the one team that can afford to lose a superstar because they have another super, a legit transcendent superstar in Kevin Durant. And I think that even with those three, minus Curry, they're good enough to beat the Rockets. I'm not sold on the Rockets only because of their prior history in the playoffs between, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul are, are great players, but they have a lot to prove in the playoffs. So I, I want to see... As the... As does D'Antoni. Yeah, exactly, as does D'Antoni. <laughs> yeah, trifecta. So, I mean, you, you've got a lot of guys who have a lot to prove. I'm going to get the benefit of the doubt to a healthy Golden State, or at least reasonably healthy Golden State, and I think three out of four is reasonably healthy. But if we're talking Cleveland, if Cleveland is healthy as it is right now, um, I actually don't think the Warriors would be able to beat this Cavs team without Steph Curry. Because I think this Cavs team, while it may not have the star power, the young depth is there. And they have guys who can switch a lot better on defense than they did last year. I don't think the Warriors will be able to do what they did to the Cavs last year without Steph Curry. And I actually think Cleveland may be the favorite to win the NBA championship if Steph Curry can't play. Yeah, I think if if it comes down to those two teams and Curry is out, I think Cleveland would be favored. I, I think it still would be a, a very hard-fought uh, series. Um, if at full health, and bo- I given both teams, uh, I'm still picking the Warriors in a relatively short series, um, despite the Cleveland changes. But um, with Curry down, I, I think the Cavs have, have a shot. And with Curry out, I mean... I think the Cavs can now go toe to toe with with any other NBA team uh, in the postseason. Um, yeah, the Cleveland with LeBron has always peaked in the postseason. So, um, despite the five game winning streak, uh, despite the the good vibes that we've had in the past week, uh, I think there's another um, escalation in their talent and, and level of play that we have come to expect. So. I'm very hopeful for these this this postseason. Um, a lot has changed in a week, Chris. I mean, last time we recorded, Kevin Love hadn't even played uh, his first game back, uh, and now the Cavs are almost 100% healthy, and some of their biggest rivals are, are dealing with some, some hurt. Um, you know, if we if we extend the the injury watch to uh, the rest of the league, I mean, it's not just Boston and Golden State dealing with this. Looking at the Pacers down Miles Turner, uh, John Wall has missed a huge amount of time with the Wizards. He's still out. Hassan Whiteside with the Heat is out. Demarcus Cousins with the Pelicans. Uh, the Thunder have lost Andre Roberson. Uh, who, he's their one good defender that that was on the starting rotation. Spurs have been without Kawhi Leonard for just about the entire season, and Jimmy Butler still out for the Timberwolves. I mean, Chris is is winning the NBA title this season as simple as the team that is most healthy is going to win? Yes, because I think we counted the the Cavs. Oddly enough, the Sixers don't seem to be dealing with too many injuries. The Bucks, the Rockets, and the Trailblazers are like the only five. And, and, and the Raptors. I'm sorry, I left the Raptors out. They're like the only six teams not dealing with major injuries right now. And, you know, I better knock on wood right there. Um yeah, I think it is that simple. Now, now again, Steph Curry could come back for the playoffs, and, and given the sad state of the West injury-wise, I don't think the Warriors will have a very tough first-round series. So even if he misses one round, it's not the end of the world. 
Um, I think the I mean, wild card in the East is where is Milwaukee going to land in those bottom five seeds? Because whoever draws Milwaukee in the first round is going to groan. That is the one team nobody wants to play. And, and I'm crossing my fingers hoping that Toronto uh, draws them because that would be perfect. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I think at the end of the day, this year more than ever, it, it comes down to injuries. And it's just funny because the NBA changed its schedule to avoid injuries, and now it seems like we have more more injuries than ever. Um, one last quick point about Houston. We both kind of wrote them off a little bit. I'm not saying they don't have a chance, but but we both think the Warriors are a little bit better. They are deeper than just their two superstars. I, I do think that they are one of the deeper teams in the NBA. They have a lot of really good guys. Um, I think they have a better shot this year than they have in years past, especially with Chris Paul solidifying things. But I just got to see it from them. I don't trust them just yet. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not going to uh, – Chris Paul just has to prove it to me. Um, I has had too many opportunities on talented teams for me to believe that this newest iteration of uh, of a Chris Paul team is going to finally break the, ce- the ceiling and, and get to the NBA Finals. Um, Chris, one intriguing matchup, though, for the Warriors – if if the NBA season ended today, uh, they would draw the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Jimmy Butler is set to return before the postseason begins. He uh, he's eyeing at least a couple games before uh, the playoffs start. So you know Minnesota was the got all the way up to the number three seed, and then Jimmy Butler went down, and they have since tanked all the way down to number seven. Uh, that that could be an intriguing matchup, and, and I would not count the Timberwolves out. Uh, just off of the sheer amount of talent that they have. Well, yeah, if Jimmy Butler is healthy, that's a different story because Butler, Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns, that is a formidable uh, trio right there. And just based on their skill set, that matches up very well with a Steph Curry-less Warriors. So, yes, I, I would definitely agree with you there, Bob. The Timberwolves are the Bucks of the Western Conference, the team I don't think anyone wants to see in the first round. And, and oddly enough, I do think they match up fairly well with Golden State. Yeah, me too, man. Um, I mean, as well as anyone would match up with Golden State. Now, I don't think anyone matches up well with Golden State, but they do have some key, great players in key positions. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't think I don't think the Warriors would have an answer to, to Towns defensively, but um, I, I, I hope that that matchup actually – comes to fruition um one because i think it's greatest chance that the warriors would lose and i would love that and two i just think it would be um in terms of first round nba playoff series one of the more entertaining ones oh i would love it if the timberwolves knocked out the warriors in the first round i I would love it i don't even care if steph curry was hurt and they make excuses it doesn't matter i would love it I, i would that almost would be better no it wouldn't cleveland winning another championship would trump everything but it would be pretty sweet. It would be a good consolation if Cleveland doesn't end up winning to know that the Warriors got knocked out in the first round. Well, if the Timberwolves knock out the Warriors in the first round, the, the Cavs better win the NBA championship. That's the only team I'm truly afraid of. Yeah. It, it's hard to gauge the East um, given how many different Cavs rosters we've seen in one year. Um, I, I'm with you, but it's like, man, they've they've – they've beaten all the top teams and they've also gotten blown out by all the top teams. So I'm not, I don't know. I I think that the Cavs are better, but 
this year has just it's been an odd year with with the injuries with the with the massive amount of trade overhauls uh done by cleveland um i i really am just kind of playing it by year uh with the Cavs in the postseason i'm not scared of anyone in the east i don't think anyone in the east has the firepower to match with cleveland but oddly enough i'm actually more scared of philadelphia and milwaukee than i am toronto and boston um, and I, I'm going to give Toronto a little more respect than some people are. They have some really, really good playmakers, and their front court is pretty beastly. I do think that that could be an interesting matchup uh, if Larry Nance Jr. is healthy with Kevin Love. That I think that could be a very interesting matchup if Cleveland and Toronto uh, clash at some point in this postseason. Um, but but at the end of the day, I just think the Cavs have shown over and over and over again last three years. When the playoffs come on, that switch goes to high gear. LeBron goes into beast mode, and I just don't think anyone can stop that in the East. Yeah, me neither. Uh, me neither. So, quite the turnaround uh, in uh, outlook for the Cavs in, in just seven days. Um, and let's just let's hope for some good health heading into the postseason for for all the teams, really. Uh, but if if one team in particular i would hope for health for the Cavs, uh and i hope that um they, they maintain their seating and uh things work out for them as we approach the postseason but chris we will now uh turn to some nfl draft news uh some marquee blue chip quarterbacks hosting their pro days in the last week uh first off sam darnold uh having by all accounts a fantastic pro day of which uh, the Browns had a, a massive entourage in attendance, including the general manager John Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam, the owner. Uh, they had by far the largest group of employees present at the pro day. Uh, and a similar story with Josh Allen, the other quarterback prospect out of Wyoming. Again, the Browns had Dorsey there, Haslam was in attendance, and they outnumbered any other staffing uh, to, to scout Allen. Uh, and they also hosted Baker Mayfield for a private workout um so chris clearly the browns are are, are keying in on uh, a quarterback at the top of the draft are you taking anything away from these pro days do you think the browns have tipped their hand at all uh with, with the massive attendance they've given both Allen and darnold i don't think they've tipped their hand at all because i think everyone has a pretty good idea that the Browns are going to take a quarterback at either one or four. And given that the Jets have moved up for what everyone assumes is a quarterback, I would think that they're not going to mess around and take a guy number one overall. If they don't, this is clearly the most elaborate smokescreen ever deployed by a team trying to send some mixed signals and I would tip my cap to John Dorsey if it is a giant smokescreen because everyone, I mean, the Browns desperately need a quarterback and they're tipping that hand pretty big. But no, I, I think the number one pick is going to be a quarterback. And and honestly, I, I don't know why everyone... Yeah, Josh Allen's getting a lot of shade thrown his way because he played for Wyoming. Um, look, if you watched him play more than two or three games, I, I'll listen to you. But... How many people in Cleveland watched Wyoming football? Seriously, guys, you're looking at stats. I get it. You know, we didn't play well against Power 5 teams. But he was on Wyoming, man. I mean, 
JT Barrett played better than Sam Darnold in the bowl game. It doesn't matter as much because so much of college football is what team you're on. So I'm sick and tired of people just writing off Josh Allen when they probably haven't even watched him play more than one or two times. Now, to answer your question about does this mean anything, I think it it sends a clear signal that the Browns are interested in taking quarterback, not that we didn't already know that. But more importantly, I, I'm most impressed with Sam Darnold, not, not because of what he did in this pro day, but because of what he didn't do. He didn't reschedule his pro day because of rain. It rained on his pro day, and he said, no, I'm taking the field, I'm doing it. That impressed me the most, was that he didn't care that his pro day wasn't in perfect conditions. He went out and he still wowed the Browns. Major, major points in my book to Sam Darnold for doing that and, and, and not taking the easy way out. He had an out. They, they offered to reschedule. He said, no, I'm going to do it in the rain. And he knocked it out of the park. So uh, big time, big time uh, props to Sam Darnold from me for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that certainly was impressive. And uh, by all accounts, um, the rain did not affect his performance at all. And, and everyone came away with a very positive reaction to his pro day. Um, you know, I, I agree. Uh, obviously, the Browns are at, in play for a quarterback. And um, that should not surprise anybody in the NFL that is close to making a personnel decision. Uh, it's very obvious that the Browns want and need a quarterback and are going to take him most likely with that very first pick um i think this goes further and tips the hand that uh the browns have whittled it down to josh allen or sam darnold um there could be somebody else at play baker mayfield obviously they gave a workout to um they didn't go to rosen's pro day uh they, they may work him out later but um i think it's it's down to these two um and it's it's a very interesting contrast uh you're exactly right we got a a Pac-12 powerhouse team in USC for where Sam Darnold came out of. He, he's athletic, has a knack for some creativity, but also has a very powerful, accurate arm. And then you have the the raw talent of uh, of Josh Allen, six foot five, can also run for his size, and probably has the most the strongest arm uh, of all the draft prospects this season. But you're right, he plays he played for Wyoming. Um, where did, where did Carson once play? North Dakota State. <laughs> I was just about to say something. <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, the guy he was being compared against, Jared Goff, played for a Pac-12 school, Cal. So very similar uh, debate going on here. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I mean, I don't think the parallels stop there. I mean, in terms of physicality, um, it, it, it is very eerily similar to those two play Goff and Wentz comparing to Darnold and, and Allen. So I think that's a very good comparison and, and uh, things have seemed to work out for, for both teams. Uh, most would probably agree that Wentz uh, right now has had a better two year season than Goff, but um, Goff certainly had a great sophomore year as well. So um, hopefully the Browns can't go wrong with this, but it, it does seem to be down to Allen and Darnold. Um, and I think it's just going to come to a matter of stylistic choice. I think it's really interesting with John Dorsey uh, being the GM in charge. You know, his quarterbacks have been Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith, uh, these agile guys, a little bit s- smaller. Uh, and then you have Todd Haley, who um, 
all he's coached for the past five years is Ben Roethlisberger, who, who seems to be a, a very direct analog to Josh Allen. So uh, I wonder if there's some philosoph- philosophical debates. And then you got Hugh Jackson. I don't know what he likes, but um, yeah, it'll be very, very interesting. And I think the Browns have some uh, philosophical questions to answer before uh, announcing their pick uh, in the draft. No, certainly. I mean, I, just my gut is saying Sam Darnold's probably going to be the pick. But uh, we'll debate that a little later. Um, the, the 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 analogy I always use is this, Bob, when we start debating quarterbacks and what schools they played for. You remember back in 2005 when Vince Young and Matt Leinart played for their national championship, and they were were awesome quarterbacks in college for big time powerhouses. And they were drafted three and I believe nine or ten in the draft. And then there was a third quarterback who got drafted. He played for Vanderbilt. Now, I know Vanderbilt's an SEC school, Bob, but as you know, they're like the black sheep of the SEC. His name's Jay Cutler, and he had a better career than both of them combined. And it's not even close. Jay Cutler played in an NFC championship game, put up huge numbers for a very long time. The point I'm making here is, it doesn't matter what school you play for. It matters how you project as an NFL prospect. So, again, it gets back to Josh Allen. I'm sick and tired of people labeling him a bust because he played for Wyoming. Unless you watched more than two or three Wyoming football games, and I mean really watched the game, I don't care what you think, man. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't watch a single Wyoming game. I don't know what all his strengths and weaknesses are. Now, I've I've done my homework on him. I've researched him. But to me, I mean, when all these pro scouts are, are saying that he can do things in the NFL and projects out to being a good NFL quarterback, that to me says that, look, he probably has what it takes to make it. He just has to put it all together. So at the end of the day, I'm not getting hung up over the Wyoming thing. I want to know. I want to compare his, his skill sets and his tools to Sam Darnold and the other guys and We'll see what happens. But but you're right, Bob. I, I think Sam Darnold fits the mold of what John Dorsey likes in a quarterback. Yeah, it, se- it seems to uh, be that way. I don't I don't disagree with your analysis, Chris. Jay Cutler, by far more successful career. I think uh, Vince Young could have been the best of all three, but uh, didn't work out for him. Um, not for a talent standpoint, but more for the mental part of the game. But I agree with your analysis on 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 those three and I think that's a, a very fair point and the mental part's part of it too man I mean you can't be a great quarterback if, if you can't get it together on the field and, and I'm not trying to you know throw something at Vince Young there and, and I'm not trying to make light of of his off-field troubles but at the end of the day man I mean, you can't be a great player if you're not on the field so um yeah I, I mean you, everything everything's going to come under the knife Bob especially in this day and age uh, and especially for the Browns after whiffing on uh, Johnny Manziel so um there's no doubt in my mind that that they're going to do some big-time due diligence on these guys. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Allen and Darnold are uh, being mentored by the same quarterback coach. I guess you, it's not a conflict of interest because it's all private, but uh, Carson Palmer's younger brother, Jordan Palmer, is coaching both of them. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. He's uh, Some of his quotes have been very hyperbolic, but uh, he's you know, talking up talking up both of them, I guess, but... Well, he's hyping up his guys, of course. I mean, it's in his best interest that both of them go in the top three. It makes him look really good. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, uh, Chris, the final four is set for the men's basketball tournament. Uh, We have uh, Loyola, Illinois, 
the 11th seed going up against Michigan on one side, and then battle of two number one seeds, Villanova versus Kansas. Um, Chris, did you watch any of the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight this weekend? And what are your thoughts on this Final Four uh, matchup? Well, I watched Duke-Kansas. That was a great game, probably the game of the tournament so far. Um, that was the only game I really watched. Uh, I tuned in here and there for some of them. Um, but Loyola Chicago, they are... They're on fire. I mean, they, they, this is what March Madness is all about. The little guy getting to the Final Four. I think, Bob, if if, if Loyola Chicago wins the national championship, I want to see Sister Jean do a cartwheel. I want to see her <laughs> jump out of her wheelchair and just cartwheel all the way down the hardwood. And and I, 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 I think she might, too, because she has just been you know ecstatic to see this team um, go all the way to the final four, even though she had them losing in the sweet 16 in her own bracket. But, um, no, uh, no, I, no blame there. I'm sure not many people had them even in the sweet 16, but point being, that's what I want to see. That, that, that is what I'm looking for is sister Jean jumping out of her wheelchair and doing a cartwheel. If, uh, if Loyola Chicago wins the national championship, because I, I, I think it might happen. She would be that excited for this team. Um, and obviously they're the darlings of the tournament, but let's not sleep on Villanova and Kansas. That's going to be one fun semifinal on the other side as well. Um, I'm not ignoring Michigan just because, but Loyola Chicago is going to get talked about all week. So I think that that allows Michigan to go right under the radar again, even though they're having one heck of a tournament representing the big 10. Uh, I I think it's going to be a very fun final four. Yeah, definitely. Um, Good to see a return of a mid-major uh, in the Final Four. I believe it's been five years since Wichita State uh, reached reached that. Um, I guess, would you consider Gonzaga a mid-major? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you have to. They play in a mid-major cons- conference. Yeah. I don't know. That's but not, not, not as much yeah. anymore. I don't know. That's a weird, You're right. That is a weird one because they've been so dominant and so good. They feel like a blue blood now, even though they don't play in – a blue blood conference. Yeah. That's a good question. Well, Wichita state is definitely more of a mid major than Gonzaga yeah. though. I guess it's been the, f- the very, the first Cinderella run into the final four since, uh, Wichita state did it in 2013. I mean, South Carolina last season was a bit surprising, but, uh, Loyola, Illinois, obviously the, the, the best story out of the tournament. And if, uh, your bracket is busted, which I think most people, uh, you know, felt that pain very early on in this tournament and if you don't have a horse in the race anymore uh how can you not be cheering for Loyola Illinois to to win this thing especially going up against you know number three Michigan uh okay that's just a perennial power in just about most sports and then Villanova two seasons removed from a championship and Kansas one of the most successful programs in in the past 20 years so uh how can you not cheer for Loyola Illinois I I'm all in for them uh, I feel you man sister Jean I want to see her do a cartwheel as well I think it could happen too I I, I just think she's been I mean come on man you've got to feel great for her I, I you've got to feel great for her I mean she's been waiting for this forever and and it, it is awesome to see this team in the in the final four it's just it's it's what March Madness is all about it's the little guy and Bob you and I have hit a mulligan bracket we picked from the sweet 16 last week and I'm trying to think. I think I got two out of four. I think yeah. I got Michigan and Kansas. I got Michigan and Villanova. Because I picked. 
Yeah, I picked West Virginia. I know that. And I, I know I didn't pick Loyola Chicago. I think I picked Kentucky. I stuck with Kentucky because that was my original pick. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, if uh, they did a repick, pick Kentucky in that bracket. Um, very shocking that they uh, that they didn't move on. <laughs> I'm very surprised by that. And and lame that they didn't shake hands after the game. Weak excuse too. Lame. I didn't. Uh, I I'm, I call no, lame on Kentucky. I did not see that, but. Um, all right, Bob. That? Who you got winning it all? Well. Uh, you know, I did pick Villanova going to the championship game, so I am going to uh, double down on that and say that they are going to win uh, their second title in three years. I'm doing it, Bob. I'm picking the Ramblers. <laughs> All right. I-, I want a storybook ending. I want a storybook ending. I want the Ramblers to win this thing. But I will say this. I think the winner of Loyola Chicago, Michigan, will win the national championship. Hopefully it's Loyola Chicago, but I, I think Michigan's on fire actually, and I I, I I I like them. In fact, well, first off, I'm worried about Loyola playing any one of these three teams because I mean it's Loyola Chicago. At some point, usually the 11 seed turns into an 11 seed at some point, but not this year. They're winning it all. I want them to ramble on and see that Sister Jean cartwheel. Yeah, man, that would be awesome. Cer- certainly would be, um, but. I don't know. It's tough once you, the further removed you get from that, the the excitement of that that first round. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, everyone seems to come back down to earth. So, uh, waiting another week to to play the final four and uh, the championship game, I, I think that that magic uh, starts to fade away. Um, so I have to have to hang back on Villanova uh, w- winning this thing. Yeah, the interesting thing, Bob, is that Loyola Chicago, while they beat a six seed and a three seed to get to the Sweet 16, they faced a seven and a nine right. in those two games because that, that bracket was just so destroyed. So, I, I look, I don't want to throw shade on their, their road to get there because on one hand, yeah, they were lowest seeded teams. But on the other hand, it's not like, you know, all of them beat good teams to get there, so they kind of proved themselves. So it's kind of one of those those weird things. But at the end of the day... They beat who they beat. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, Michigan, again, is another three seed. They, they have not beaten a one or a two yet. So, obviously, whoever gets to the final from that half of the bracket will have to beat a one seed. So, so it'll just be interesting to see how that how that shakes down. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, man, that's crazy that you can get all the way to the championship without uh, facing the top-tier talent. But that that is the nature of the bracket. Well, they, I mean, they faced Tennessee in the second round. That that's probably the best team they have played so far. Yeah. No, I mean so, they they I mean, played they, good teams. Yeah. Again, I'm not I'm not throwing shade on their thing, but again, it's not Loyola's fault that Virginia lost to a 16 seed or Kentucky couldn't beat Kansas State or Cincinnati blew a 12 point lead. I mean, it's not their fault. And so, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not saying they don't deserve to be there, but. The bracket did fall a certain way, and, and, and they didn't have to face a one or a two. Yeah. All righty. We will find out if Loyola Chicago brings home the national championship uh, this weekend. So hopefully the Ramblers will take care of business, bring it home, and make Sister Jean proud. 
Next week, though, with opening day, the, the, the true home opener opening day, the one that Cleveland cares about, right around the corner we will have a full Cleveland Indians preview. I know we promised that last time, but we want to make sure the roster's finalized. We're talking about everyone who's on the team, and we get you the best information. So we're going to wait until after the, the opening day, but, but we'll get it before the home opener next week. Uh, so please come back to FenleyRoadSports.com for that episode of Clee Talk and catch up on all our old episodes of Clee Talk at FenleyRoadSports.com. We appreciate your support. We're back every week talking the latest in Cleveland sports. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Fenley Road Sports. You can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes by searching Fenley Road Sports. Click Clee Talk or hit the iTunes icon in the upper right-hand corner of FenleyRoadSports.com. It's just that simple. We thank you for your support. And come back next week and every week for another episode of Clee Talk. But until then, go Tribe. Kicking off against Seattle at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Yay, <laughs> I will definitely not be up till 1 in the morning watching that. Yeah, for sure. But uh, go Tribe, definitely. I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy, Bob.